0: Every day you give me breath, I'll sing your praises, and I'll reign with you throughout eternity. And, you know, we're talking in this, these meetings the last couple of weeks, and this week, uh, about reigning with him, because it's so important for us to be aware that that's what we're called to do. And if we don't understand who we are and what we are, then we'll never walk in it. We'll never fulfill our destiny because identity is destiny. When you know who you are, you know, if Prince William was to come in here right now, you know, uh, we we wouldn't be expecting him to go and help himself to the breakfast table. One of us would do it, wouldn't we? Why? He would expect that. Why? Because he's a prince of the realm. Now, um, because he's a prince of the realm, he acts like one because he knows who he is, amen? Now, it's not about being grandiose, it's not about being pompous, but when you know who you are, then you act like that, amen? Um, And so, it's so important, if we don't know who we are, and religion will tell you who you are, but it won't line up with this book, because religion will tell you, you're a worm of the dust, you're undeserving, You're unworthy. And whilst there's a truth to that, the reality is redemption. And redemption makes us worthy. We're not worthy because of something we did, but we're worthy because of something he did. And if we don't walk in that, we're actually insulting him. You know, um, remember Bert saying, but God hasn't called us to be beggars. He's called us to be royalty. Amen. So uh, that's what we're looking at. Kings will come to you. And the reason they'll come is because we're kings and priests in the Melchizedek order. And that's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to continue what we were looking at. But that verse, that says in verse 3 of chapter 16, Isaiah, the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Kings will come. Kings will come and they will bring uh, their wealth with them. It says in verse 11, Your gates shall be open continually, shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring to you the wealth of the nations and that their kings may be brought. So multitudes, nations and kings will come. And the reason they'll come is because of the glory. The reason they'll come is because of the wisdom that we're walking in. Because kings in ancient days, we'll look at that, came to Solomon because of his wisdom. Okay, because kings are attracted to wisdom, especially wisdom that they can use to govern better um, and be more effective and efficient and so on. Now kings can have their heads turned by lusts for power and all of that. Kings can have their heads turned to go to war. Uh, because, you know, kings can become power mad. But the Bible says the king's heart is in the, in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whithersoever he will. And what that really means is if we pray for kings, pray for leaders, God will turn their heart towards the right paths. Amen? And, and he'll, he'll turn the, the hearts of kings and leaders to the body of Christ and to the people of God. And that's how it's all supposed to work. We see it in Psalm 2. Why are the nations in a tumult? Why are are the people falling a vain thing? Because the kings of the earth are engaged in a conspiracy against Yahweh and his son. So how do we prevent that? By preaching the word, the kingdom message to them and getting them to repent. Boris Johnson needs to repent today. (laughs) Nicola Sturgeon definitely needs to repent. (laughs) Amen. And all these leaders do. Why? Because they're following paths of unrighteousness. And we need them to get back onto the path. Um, I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to do it. Sam, Let's turn to Psalm 2. We'll just go as the Spirit leads, not as my, uh, my notes lead or whatever. Psalm 2, look what it says. Why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves... And the rulers take counsel together. This is the second psalm, okay? Or conspire together. Oh, you're, you're a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm a conspiracy believer because the Bible tells me there is one. Amen? If the Bible says that the, the, there is a governmental conspiracy among the nations, the rulers of the nations, then there is. Amen? Now, I'm going to say, if I don't get more amens, I'm going to go jump on that white bus. And off this Slaven, I'm on the kid. There's no left yet. Thus endeth the sermon. Have a good day, folks. So the kings of the earth set themselves and look against Yahweh, the Lord, and against his anointed. Now, who's his anointed? Jesus. The Bible identifies Jesus as being the anointed here. So against the anointed means antichrist, doesn't it? Anti the anointed one. Saying this is what I wanted to see. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That's what the nations' rulers are saying. We don't want these bands anymore, these cords, these restraints. What are they talking about? They're talking about this book because uh, the nations of what we call Christendom, okay, Christian nations. Um. Uh, They don't want the bans. They don't want the courts, They don't want to be told you have to set your laws and your legislation and your governments in line with God's word. They don't want that. Okay, they don't want rules that God has put in place or the law of God. They don't want that to be the the foundation of our laws. They want to change laws and customs. Okay, male and female created to them. No, hundred and odd genders created to them. In fact, what they'll say is, well, he didn't create them. You see, so they don't want a biblical worldview imposing itself. Then they don't want us Christians telling them this is how the the law should be of the land. So they try to push it off and they try to have the great reset. Let's reset everything. Let's get away from that Christian stuff. Let's get away from this old book. But folks, it's our job as believers to say that God changeth not, his word does not change, his law does not change. This is how it should be, and this is how it's going to be. Amen. Amen. And, and, and we, we enforce that with that beautiful prayer that the Lord Jesus gave us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, as it is in heaven, end of, full stop, that's it. So they don't like that. You know, one of the first things they did was take that out of the schools. Because a generation, generations, should I say, grew up knowing that prayer and praying that prayer. You do not matter, you know, you can bring people into church for a funeral or something like that, and they can be the, you know, the biggest gangster in town. But the minute you start saying the Lord's Prayer, they repeat it, because they know it, because it's been planted in here, so they took that out. So we're talking today about kings, we are the kings that determine, and we're going to see that right now, let's just, in fact, let's just go there uh, very quickly, let's go to uh, Romans chapter five, first of all, Romans chapter five, and we're not going to read the whole chapter, because it's just too much. But let's read verse 17. If by one man's offence, death reigned by one. That's talking about Adam, Adam's fall. Death reigned because Adam fell, yeah? Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Hands up today if you've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, amen? Now grace is favor, isn't it? We are a people of favor. This is a house of favor. You know, I choose to say of this building, this church here, and in every meeting that we have here, whether it's our ch- a church meeting or, or whether it's the gathering or whatever it is, this is a house of favor. This is a house where grace meets whoever comes through that door. Amen. Amen. This is a house of grace. And he says here, abundance of grace, not just some grace. And you know, the Bible says, where sin does abound, Grace there's much more about. You can't outsend the grace of God. Amen. And of the gift of righteousness, now watch this, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, the Amplified has it, in other versions, I believe, says, shall reign as kings in life by Jesus Christ. Now, that word in the Greek, reign, means to reign as a king, to have a kingly way about you. To reign as a king. God has not called us to be anything less than that level, if that makes sense. I think you were there that day, Alec. I remember a guy uh, in a meeting I was in, a man's meeting, men's meeting, and one of the guys says, well, all you guys want to be kings. I just want to be a pawn for God. I want to be a pawn for Jesus, right? Now, you know, false humility, folks, which is pride, right? Right? Because, and I just, I said to him, God has no pawns. And he says, you can be a knight. You can be a a fortress, you know, the the rook, the the castle. You can be a a bishop. You can be a king or a queen. But God has no pawns. God makes no pawns. Okay? But we're all called to be kings and priests. Okay? So, and that's what I want you to look at now. Revelation chapter 1. See, I want to get this into your head. I know you know it. You say, ah, well, we know these things. But sometimes you've got to look at a scripture for the 799th time before the penny drops. Yeah?
1: Amen.
0: We read it and we ah, yeah, I mean we know it up here. But folks, what you know up here doesn't count until it clink, clinks down here. And then all of a sudden, it's not just a, a, a fact, you know, it's a truth that is. Embedded in you and will never be taken out of you. So it says in Revelation chapter one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of Antichrist, the revelation of New World Order and all that, the revelation of uh, black helicopters and you know conspiracy theories, all of that, all stuff that's valid, all some much of what you can find in here, but it's not a book about the revelation of these things. These things are there, these things attack us, these things come against us because there's a revelation that is greater than them and because we have that revelation, that's why we're attacked and it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. You need a revelation of Jesus and I'm not talking about the man that walked the shores of Galilee. I'm not talking about, put your hand in the hand of the man who still the waters, oh yeah. Amen. I love reading about Jesus. I love imagining if you were there. I love imagining the Jesus that walked the earth. But folks, we we don't know him after that fashion. We read about him and we read about his dominion over things on earth. But He is now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high and completely glorified. Uh, Glorified, risen and exalted. Remember that old chorus that we used to sing? He's the glorified one. The Jesus that lives in me is not that Jesus that got tired and slept in the back of a boat. It's the Jesus that is seated and full of power and full of glory. And full of authority. That's the Jesus we're engaging with. Amen. Praise the Lord. The risen and exalted Christ, the glorified one, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel, uh, sorry, by his angel unto his servant John. Now, watch this, watch this. Um, Verse 4 John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Look at this. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. Jesus is the faithful witness. Can you say amen? Now we know him as that. We hear hear sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. Jesus the faithful witness. And then And the first begotten of the dead. First begotten of the dead. That's me, Mr. Boss. It's away now. (laughs) The risen Christ. We've just said it. We know him as that. And we know He's he is risen. He is risen. So we know Jesus on those levels. We know him as a faithful witness. Uh, You know what a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, You know. He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's faithful and true. He's a covenant brother to us. Oh, he's risen from the dead. We know these things. But look what it says the next thing about Jesus. Because this is the revelation. This is something that that we need revealed. And I'll tell you something right now in Scripture. You'll find this as you get into serious study of God's Word. You'll find the stuff that you know But then you'll find that there's stuff that you don't know and the don't know stuff is a deficit in your life until you know it. Okay, and sometimes these revelations are packed Here's three things he says. He says uh, that Jesus is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. And we've heard umpteen sermons and messages and read books on that. But look at this next bit faithful witness, first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth or the ruler or the governor of the things of the earth. I think my favorite Christian book is Messiah uh, the the governor of the the nation of the earth. uh, You know these old books there's there's a couple of wonderful ones like that Simonton wrote one and Macleod wrote another. All about Jesus being the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now, there's two parts to this. And we're going to see one of them, which is that we are the kings that are spoken of here. Okay? He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. In other words, he's high king. The Celts had a concept because back in Celtic times, if you want to call them that, it's maybe not an accurate description, but back in the day, in what we would call Celtic times, there were many kingdoms across the British Isles. But they would they would have a high king, and certainly in Ireland, I think here in Scotland, they would have a king who was the high king, in other words, the king of kings. Okay, so Jesus is the king of kings, and we're the. King. But that's not really the only meaning, and it's not necessarily the primary meaning, because Bible scholars will tell you when it says the kings of the earth here, he's actually talking about kings and rulers of nations. So, Jesus is the ruler, the prince, the governor, the boss of President of America, of the Prime Minister of Britain, of all the kings, whether they're they're actual kings, as in kingdoms, or whether they're other types of governments. But he's the boss. Okay? He's the ruler. The Bible clearly says that, and most scholars would say that's what's referred to here. So, here's the, the thing I'm trying to get across to you. Faithful witness? Yes. Tick. Amen. First we got from yes, Jesus has risen. But when, and but we engage with him as that. How many sermons have you heard about Jesus being Joe Biden's boss? Or Boris Johnson's boss? Or Nicola Sturgeon's boss. Amen? Amen. Now, what does it mean? Because God has appointed him ruler over earthly kings. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Hands up if you've got Joe Biden's personal mobile number, or Boris's, or Nicola Sturgeon's, or any of these folks. And all the hands up if you've got that woman that's the. Providence the, the city council here. Do you have them in the speed dial? No, why? The they don't want to speak to you. That's why. They're not putting in the, the paper today. Here's my mobile number if you want to call me. And they especially don't want to hear from you and I. Because we're not going to phone them up and say, you know, well done, we're going to phone them up and say, The Lord rebuke thee. <coughs> Amen. In the name of the Lord, repent. Am I right? If you could send Nicola Sturgeon a text right now, would it be, oh, blessings, dear one? <laughs> or would it be, "Go on your face and repent? <laughs> but here's the good news. You don't have access to these people. They set it up that way. Does anybody old enough to remember you could walk down Downing, Downing Street? Yes. Amen? You could. You could literally walk down Downing, Downing Street can't do that now. You go down Downing Street now, these big iron gates and the polis and everything. Amen? And probably you're into sight, some sniper in case you decide to do something crazy. Okay? Because you just can't walk. You can't roll up, stroll up. We can go to Nicola Sturgeon's house because we know where she stays. But if she ever, you understand, but you'll never get near the place. The security. Why? Because they don't want to speak to you. You have no access. They don't want you having access and in a sense there's, there's a, you can understand it because of security. So how, how are you going to get your point across? We've got a friend who has managed to speak to Nicola Sturgeon on a couple of occasions and got short shrift, didn't she? Because you know she, she asked questions that Nicola Sturgeon didn't want to answer. And that could happen. But the chances of that, folks, here's the good news. You don't have access to the president of America. You don't have access to Vladimir Putin. You don't have access to Queen Elizabeth. You don't have access to number 10 Downing Street or to Butte House or all of these places, but you have access to their boss.
1: Amen.
0: And the Bible goes to great lengths to tell us that we can come boldly, that we have access We have access not just to a higher power. We have access to the highest authority, to the power, to the creator and Lord of all. And let me just say this to you. That's not just a nice way of putting it, folks. That is spiritual reality. You can can walk into the throne room at any time. In fact, you don't even have to walk back out. Because he that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide. Not he that visits. You know, we spoke before about it. Stevie speaks a lot about it. Visitation. Or habitation. What's better? Habitation, am I right? You know, visiting's great. And sometimes we've all been, oh, I had a great time in God's presence last night. Amen. Folks, you ought to never leave it. Amen. We, we abide. He that dwelleth, he that abides, he that stays, he that is seated in heavenly realms with Christ. You know, when you sit down in the heavenly throne room, as we're all, we all are, we're all seated with Christ, you know, the implication is you don't get up. You don't stand up. I've listened to Bill Winston speaking about that. When you go into a throne room, the only people standing are servants. When did you ever hear an angel sitting in the presence of God? You don't. Why? Because they're not royalty. But you are a king and a priest. And look what it says in the next verse. I need to get this across because if kings are going to come to you, you need to understand why. They're not coming because you're beggars or peasants, or mendicants, or nobodies, or um, what's the word? Plebs. Amen. They're not coming for that because kings have no interest. You, you say, oh, oh, the, only, the only king that has an interest in the lowly is King Jesus. Amen. There's not a friend. Amen. He is meek and lowly, but do you know what? When he comes to us in that state of being wretches and curse and beggars and mendicants and scum, as some of us were, in a sense, as all of us were, when he comes, he doesn't say, "I still love you, you're still my pal, oh, I'm going to bless you, but you're going to stay with you." No, he says, he lifts the poor up out of their dung hill and puts him in princes' palaces. The minute that you connect with him, he says, you're now a king. You're now a priest. You're now in the order of Melchizedek. It's not a process. It's not you, 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 you've, you've joined the army, but you're going to start off in boot camp, and you're going to you start as a private. and then No, the minute you get born again, you're royalty. Amen? And the only challenge is to start Believing it, receiving it, and acting like it. That's why we renew the mind, don't we? Because when you were a wretch, you thought like a wretch, and because you thought like a wretch and you felt like a wretch, you acted like a wretch, but when he says, No, you're no longer a wretch, you're now of royal blood. My blood. My blood has cleansed you. My blood is now covering you. My blood is now your DNA. And that means you're now royalty. So start acting like it. Amen. What did Jesus say? You know, the standard never changed. Old covenant or new. Be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And you get a whole bunch of people turning around and saying, well, The Lord knows that we're not perfect. Well, that's why he says be perfect. Because he doesn't want you to stay imperfect. And we're not talking here about condemnation or oh, you know, your 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 skirt's too short, missus, and you know, uh, and your hair's too long, sir. We're not talking about outward rituals of holiness. We're talking about when Jesus says, "Be perfect." What we say is, "I receive it." Amen. Amen. Because that word in you, that command in you, will transform you, and you'll start walking perfect. That doesn't mean to say you'll never sin again. I'm not preaching that. What I'm saying is, is that the, perfect, the perfection of Jesus will start to manifest in you. Does that make sense? Or the perfection, to be accurate, of your heavenly father. And, you know, as he is, so are we in this world. who is he? He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. He's seated on the throne. And listen, he's not doing what I'm doing right now, walking up and down. He's not doing this. Oh, what are we going to do? Did you, We never saw that one coming, did we? We never saw that COVID thing. Jesus, Holy Spirit, any ideas? What do we do with this mess? You know, God, God. what does the Bible say in Psalm 2 about all that conspiracy against them? It says the Lord laughs at them; He has them in derision. Why? Because He is greater, and He's always a hundred trillion light years ahead of anything the devil comes up with. Amen. Imagine trying to play chess against God. Amen. You know, and you know, I think the Lord pretends He can't play. Amen. Many times the devil thought, well, this is check and it will soon be checkmate. And then the Lord says, you're right. It's checkmate on you. Amen. How many times in your life have you thought, that's it? I can't go any further. The devil's beat me at last. Amen. And then what happens? The Lord shows up and checkmates the devil. Anyway, that's just good preaching. But look what it says here. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful one, the first begotten of the dead, uh, and prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. There's something the Lord wants to emphasize to us today. We are doing a regular series in here uh, on the precious blood. And the blood is the, the key to victory, isn't it? The accuser of the brethren, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony. But if you connect that, I want to show you this in two parts, two places here. This one here, it says, Jesus Christ, the prince of the kings of earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Look what it says in verse 6 and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's made us kings and priests. Now if you are a king or a priest let me just say this to you. If you found out today there's a, there's a famous story I remember here many years ago about one of the Russian princes, aristocratic You know, they had a family back then of aristocrats and royalty in Russia before the revolution. And one of the the princes apparently was travelling on a train. This this is a story I remember, I'm not sure how accurate it is, but he was travelling on a train through hundreds of miles from where he lived, um, way into the wastelands of Russia, or or way into the, the country. And he looked over and he saw this magnificent... Palace, because some of these palaces in Russia are quite something. And it was beautiful, it was way over in the distance. Wow. don't think he said wow, but he, but he was quite stunned by the beauty of this thing. So he called one of his aides and he says, who owns that? And the aide said to him, you do, sire. It's one of yours. Didn't even know about it, Didn't even, hadn't been there. Maybe he knew about it, but he certainly, he wasn't aware of that. He'd never been there. Now, I don't know how true that story is. As I remember hearing it once or twice in the past. But here's what I'm saying to you today. This, when we read this verse 6, he's made us kings and priests. Okay, here's the equivalent. Imagine today, you were told, you didn't know it, you were told you were related to the British royal family. Yeah? And you were, you were, uh, you, you had lands and castles and palaces and all kinds of estates you knew nothing of. Okay, and they Cape to you and says, "You've got several stately homes, but we're going to take you to the principal one that you don't know. You, you didn't know this, and it's this big, forty-eight bedroom." castle way out in the middle of nowhere you know and, you, and, and it's it's beautiful and it's regal and majestic and oh by the way there's millions in the bank that you never knew about and there, there, there's a stable full of limos and Rolls Royces and all of that Okay, and it's all yours because you're, a, you're, you're royalty Amen and you went Oh, that's brilliant, thank you. That's great to know. And then I went back to your house. <laughs> and two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks later, you've done nothing about it. You haven't moved into this house. And you've gone, you, you forgot about it. Or, I don't, was that true? All oh, those lawyers, were they, were they telling the truth? Or worse, I don't need that. I'm fine. We're my two up, two down. Amen? In other words, you neglect who you are. You neglect and reject what you have. You don't want to be, I'll just, I just want to be a pawn for Jesus. Amen? Who you are determines what you will walk in once who you are becomes real in here. Identity is destiny. If you embrace the identity, then the destiny will follow. And a lot of Christians reject their identity. "Ah, It's a wee bit grandiose for me or that king and priest business. I'm just happy being a wee Christian. Well, God, Jesus didn't die on a cross for us just to play Religious games. Amen. He died on a cross that would be kings and priests. And you're not a king and priest for yourself. You're not a king and priest for your own uh, self-promotion or self-glory. You're a king and priest because you're ambassador of the kingdom of God. When you say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is on earth as it is in heaven, the Lord says to you, "Well, we better start acting like a king then because that's what's happening in heaven that's who you are in heaven I'm happy to just be a wee scullery maid in heaven I'm happy just to be a butler in heaven well folks you're a human and a redeemed human bought with the blood of the lamb you're not an angel you're not a servant you're a son amen so Revelation chapter 5 let's look at it again Um, this might extend again. I still might not get to the good parts I wanted to show you. But this is good enough, isn't it? Revelation 5. I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven... Nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Let me just say this to you: We don't need to worry about whether or not we're worthy. The Bible tells us we are. Okay, so that's settled. Move on. You can only be worthy if the one who ha- who is worthy. Grants you his worthiness.
1: Because
0: you can't do it. No man was found. Okay, you might be a hot rod, you might be a good preacher, you might be the greatest evangelist, you might be God's prophet of of the ages, but no man was found worthy save that man. There's a man in the glory tonight, folks. There's a man in the Godhead. I wept much because no man was found worthy. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And many had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. Watch this, watch this. Thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God. Redeem means to buy back with blood. Has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. In other words, multitudes and nations were there. Amen. Multitudes and nations were there. And they were saying, You bought us by your blood. There it is again the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. You're not going to walk in this without the blood. The blood should be central to our thinking. Amen? I mean, you know, the blood of Jesus should be central to everything because that's the gateway. That's the portal into the throne room of God. We have access by that blood. And the Bible says, um, speaks about his flesh. You know um, that we have access through through His His broken flesh, through His blood. That's what takes us into God's presence. You're not going to come before God without blood, without His blood. Amen. And and it's not a place that we just you know zip in and out of. It's a place we we, we inhabit, we stay. He that dwelleth. Where's the secret place? The place where the blood. Opened up that portal in glory. That's a secret place, okay. Through the veil, which is his flesh, the Bible says. Okay, remember, we Stevie, that was his thing. Beyond the veil, beyond the veil, yeah. And we speak beyond the veil. We go through the veil. The Bible says the veil is his flesh, his broken flesh. What happens when you break flesh? Blood pours out. Amen. So it's through the blood. We have access through the blood. Access to what? Access to the presence of the King. But here's the glorious truth, folks. And that's what it tells us in this verse. That's what it tells us in the other verse we looked at in Revelation. Because he redeemed us by his blood as we go through into the presence of the King we are made kings and priests. Amen. Okay? It's not just, oh, we're in, oh, God, oh God's the king. Yeah, hallelujah, he's the king. But there's something about it because as we behold him on his throne from glory to glory, he changes me. He transforms me into his image and he says, it's not just the king, me, that you're looking at. Go and look, you're now a king and a priest. You've been metamorphosized into who I am, as I am, here in my throne, so are you in this world. And you're you're as he is in this world because the Bible tells us you're also seated with him in heavenly places. He's he's bi-local, in fact, he's multi-local. And in a mystical way, don't ask me to get into the science of this, so are you and I. As you and I are here just now, sitting in this place, here on earth, in this dear land, amen, of Scotland, the land of destiny, praise God. We're also at the same time, or, or in some mystical way, not just the same time, but also in eternity, we're seated with him in heavenly places. And the Bible tells us here that there's a throne and multitudes and nations. Let's read what it says. Has made us, watch this, let's read it again, redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God. Not unto ourselves. This isn't I'm a king and a priest. Amen. Look at me. I'm a king. Amen. When you went to see that Elvis film the other night. Quite amazing. Quite a, a, a mystical film. And it really did honor to Elvis' roots in Pentecost. Pentecostal assemblies of God. <clears throat> but it's not when no one else can understand me. <laughs> Amen. We're not kings. And the, and by the way, the movie was a parable of what, what it can do, what fame can do to you. Because it's easy, isn't it, when the, the, ad, the adulation of the crowds to start thinking, I'm a king. But folks, we're only a king because We're beholding the one who's the king. He's made us, but look what it says, unto our God. Not for our own purpose. Not for our own self-improvement or self-anything. Unto our God. You know, this is what the Lord would say. I need kings and priests on the earth who are just like my son in heaven and in whom my son walks (coughs) I need that on the earth. I need you to be maybe the only Jesus that that person up that street will ever meet. Amen. So, it's unto our God that we're kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. Amen. We shall reign on the earth. Not that other bunch. Not those wretches that infest our parliaments, our councils, Our governmental assemblies, the offices of power. Folks, we're not being harsh, but let's be honest. They're either Satanists outright, or in some way they're serving Satan anyway. Wittingly or unwittingly, they're servants of Satan. We shall reign on the earth, not them. Amen? That's our role and function as king priests in the Melchizedek Order. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, Heard I saying, blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. This is what's taking place in heaven. This is eternity. It's heaven and eternity. So this is an eternal truth and reality. Don't put it off to the future. Don't, don't be limited by, by, by chronology. Oh, by the way, do you know what chronology or time Do you know what 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 it's named after? Kronos. Who was the God that ate babies. So let's not be bound by time. Amen. We're not beings who are subject to time. We're subject to King Jesus in eternity. So if this is what's taking place in eternity, where there is no time, that gives us Faith to believe for the harvest of millions here on earth. Amen. But you notice in order to walk in that harvest, we've got to be kings and priests. Amen. We've got to be seated with him. It's not enough. And let me say this, every believer is a king and a priest. But not every believer walks in it. Amen. Not every believer is going to walk in it. And not every believer is therefore going to receive the reward of walking in it. Now I'm kind of running out of time and I keep putting off uh, what I say is the good bits in a sense because um, it's so important for us to see because what we're looking at is kings will come. Kings of the earth. Rulers of the earth. Leaders in the earth. Not just governmental I believe business, uh, all realms, every realm of life, every one of the seven mountains of culture, education, media, the arts, all of these different realms and mountains uh, of life, of culture. Right now, they're not coming. And they're not coming because they don't see much to come to. That's reality. They don't fear God and they certainly don't fear you and I. And that's why we have to start walking in this. That's why we have to start knowing who we are and what we are and what we're called to. And that's why we're looking at this this stuff. Because as long as we just feel that we're a subculture, way out in the outskirts of town, yeah? We've got a wee revival tent out in, The outskirts of town. And we're inviting people to come and know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. And that's wonderful. But folks, or or we're, we're hiding, huddled in our wee churches. And they don't know what we're about in here. As long as that is our Christian life, our Christian existence, our Christian mindset. That we're, you know, we're calling people out from the world. Folks, go ye into all the world. Not set up a wee refugee camp from the world. Go ye into all the world. Invade the marketplace. Invade the seven mountains of culture. Go into places where you're not welcome. I always like, you know, if you were ever out, shouldn't say this, if you were ever out in a pub, and none of you people have ever even stepped inside a pub, I know that. But you're standing there, having a Coca-Cola, amen, and guess who comes in? The Salvation Army, with a war cry, amen. You know, folks, I always admired them for that, because rather than stand outside, and go, the drunkards coming out with you, went out with a war cry, <laughs> they went into the pubs, Amen. And you know that was that. There's some rough pub, especially in Glasgow. And then I know a lot of people always had a soft heart for them. And, but you know what I'm saying to you is, we're supposed to be inv- an invasion force, not hiding away. Amen. It's onward Christian soldiers, not backward Christian soldiers. Why? Because we're kings and priests. And let me just say this to you. There's a uh, There's a mindset that kings have, queens have, royalty has, and here it is. If you own lands or you own a territory, nowhere in that territory you can be unwelcome, or nowhere in that territory you dare not go. Does that make sense? You don't say, Well, I'm the king over that land, but I'm not going there. And let me just say this to you. It was always a thing with kings that if someone says to them, See that bit there, that, that area there, you can't go into, that's the very area that they'd be in the next day, with the strongest possible army. Because you can't have a kingdom or parts of a kingdom that you can't walk in or you can't go in, and you can't say, This is my land. And I want to tell you right now, the Bible tells us that, that the, the nations are Jesus' inheritance. And if you inherit something, then you go and take possession, don't you? So if, if we're kings and priests in the Melchizedek order, and we're kings of which he is the high king, wherever we're told you can't go there, that's where we're, starting the next, that's where we're planting our next church. That's where we're holding our next meeting. Amen. That's where we're going to spread the gospel. And that's where we're going because every place that the, 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 your foot treads upon, that's your land, that's your territory. But we have to have this mindset that before kings start coming to us for wisdom, for counsel, with tribute, where, where, can you help us? What do we do here? Can you pray for us? Can you come and lay hands on my sick loved one? Can you come and and set up a church in in our community? Because we need to hear the gospel in our community. Before we start walking in that, to the extent God wants us to, we have to know in our own hearts. You have to have this settled. Who am I? What am I? I'm a king and a priest. I'm here to meet the needs of the people. I'm here representing God. I'm here because when I prayed thy kingdom come, God said, I just answered your prayer and sent you okay uh, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven well what that means is you're god's will for your community you don't live in your street by accident you live there because god put you there and you're the pastor of that street and let me just say you're the king and the priest in that street in that community because we're all kings and priests and we have to have this territorial because kings and priests have to have a territory, have to have a kingdom. Amen? And so we have to be kings and priests now. I've I've run out of time. I want you to get back into Solomon and look at Solomon because Solomon is the key to his understanding this. That Solomon was the greatest king of the, the ancient world. And what happened was when God put Solomon on the throne and God answered Solomon's prayer, of give me wisdom to lead this people. And God says, a whole bunch of stuff you didn't ask for, I'm going to give you that anyway, because, you're a, because wisdom is a magnet. So I'm going to give you all that stuff that you didn't ask for, and guess what happened when He gave him that wisdom? All the kings came just to get, Solomon, can you tell me a parable? Just can I spend a couple of hours with you? Because those two hours I invest with you, I'll go back and be ten times the king I was before I came here. Oh, by the way, here's a few million in gold. Amen. Imagine they came through that door and said, give us, give us some, just, just preach to us. We heard you on YouTube. We heard your podcast. Amen. Imagine they came into churches and said that. Well, oh, we saw your sermon on YouTube. We need that in our business. We need that in our city council. We need that in our government. See that message you preached on how God prospers you in your land? We need that in the whole of our nation. Can you come uh, and have an audience with the Prime Minister and tell him or her? Amen? Or her? Can you tell them what you told your people? Oh, and by the way, just name your price. Well, we don't do Well, we'll give you a donation. No, that's fine. Praise the Lord. Amen? Because that's how it's supposed to work. It worked for Solomon. Didn't it? Let me just tell you, a greater than Solomon is here. And guess where he is? In here, in there. He lives in us, he lives in our hearts. Well, sorry I didn't get to where I intended to go, but I'm going to call call a halt there. Um, And um, We'll get back to you. Uh, Because we need to read the story of Solomon. Now I know Solomon's end. Okay, when you get to chapter 11, the first kings. It all goes south. Okay, and guess why? Because you women. Amen. Wives. Amen. One wife is trouble enough. Solomon had to wait. And concubines. Now let me just say this to you gents. If you've got concubines, you're really in trouble. Amen. <laughs> and we're not Mormons, so we're not going to be uh, multiplying wives unto ourselves or horses and chariots. Amen. We're not going to... But you see, Solomon, you know, when he, when he, in his early years, which is what we're looking at, um, the blessing. But thank God, you know, here's the thing. Solomon his old covenant. We are a better covenant a new covenant of people amen the lord bless you folks are you,
1: washed are you washed in the blood in the blood in the soul cleansing, cleansing blood, blood of the are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Have you been to Jesus for His cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you trusting? daily by your Savior's side Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb Do you rest each moment in the crucified Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you washed In the blood the soul cleansing blood of the lamb are your garments spotless are they white as snow are you washed in the blood of the lamb lay aside the Garments that are stained with sin, and be washed in the blood of the lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the lamb. Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Oh, be washed in the blood of the lamb.